Welcome to Orchard UMC's podcast. At Orchard, we endeavor to live into our mission of transforming the world by growing in faith, serving others, and sharing Jesus. Look what you did. It's been a pretty great year. And I am so grateful for your generosity that made so much ministry possible. And I'm excited tonight to welcome, of course, our bishop, Bishop David Bard. Put on my glasses here. Bishop David Allen Bard is the presiding bishop of our conference, the Michigan Conference. And prior to arriving here in Michigan in September of 2006, Bishop Bard was serving at First United Methodist Church in Duluth, Minnesota. He was elected to the Episcopacy on July 13th of 2016 at our North Central Jurisdictional Conference. He's been in ministry for more than 30 years and served in many roles within both the Minnesota Annual Conference and the General Church. Bishop Bard received a BA from the University of Minnesota, Duluth in 1981. His Master of Divinity was earned at United Theological Seminary in the Twin Cities in 1984. And in 1994, he received a PhD from Southern Methodist University with a focus on Christian ethics. Uh, Bishop Bard is married to Julie, who's here tonight with him. They have three adult children, and in their free time, he enjoys music, reading, baseball, and walking outside. Now, I want to just share with you, um, recently in his blog, one of the things that I have come to appreciate about the bishop is his heart and um, it's a pastor's heart. He's a wonderful bishop, but he's first a pastor, and you can see that from these words. Bishop Bard shared these words for our conference at such a time as this. He wrote, I am committed to working with every congregation and pastor with grace and with all wisdom, and with all the wisdom God's spirit might impart. Change is likely coming, and we will navigate that change best if we seek to be loving, grace-filled, compassionate, wise, courageous, and if we continue to do the work of the church, the work of Christmas. On the other side of whatever changes are coming and in the coming months of this new year and new decade, the work God has given the church in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Spirit is this work of finding the lost, healing the broken, feeding the hungry, setting free, rebuilding the nations, bringing peace, helping each unique person find the song God has put in their heart and helping them sing and dance to it. I experience Bishop Bard as a leader with a listening ear and a courageous voice. He is at his heart a pastor committed to justice. I'm proud to call him my bishop and to introduce him to you, my church. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. I, if I was smart, I'd just say, uh, let's go to the benediction and, uh, and, and be done, because it can only go downhill from here, right? I mean, with that, uh, with that kind of introduction, I, I'm really delighted to be here tonight with you. Thank you for, for being here. Um, I do know it is a bit of a dangerous time. It is about that time, even if you're at a workshop, that time after lunch, when nobody really wants to speak, so we've all been fed really well, and uh, so you have my permission uh, to gently nudge your neighbor if you find that they're kind of dozing off. And if you don't know the person sitting next to you, now might be a good time to just say hi. I might be the person nudging you gently if you fall asleep. 
uh, that goes for all of you too. Um, and of course, you're more visible, so everybody will, will see that. Um, you know, it, uh, it's been kind of an interesting ride getting here. I was supposed to be here in October, and um, Amy had surgery. The cook got sick. Jantz lost a member of his family. And Nick was in Disney World. Yeah, taking one for the team. Um, I had, I had really, a, a, you know, I was going to ask, you know, which was more important, your bishop or Disney World, Nick, but that was in October, and that's old material now, so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, and, and then, of course, we get to this weekend, and they're predicting uh, an ice storm, and I don't know what kind of ice storm you had in Michigan in 2013, but all the weather people were saying, could this be the 2013 ice storm? Uh, I don't know, it sounds like it was awful, uh, and I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, we got here just fine. We live in the Lansing area. The roads were, the roads were great. But I am really delighted to share this time, time with you. Um, you know, Amy was in, when she first got up, was just a little understated. You know, she said, look what you've done. Look what you've done! Look what you've done! You need to give yourselves a big round of applause. Look what you've done! We are here to celebrate that tonight, and I personally want to thank you for all of that ministry represented in that video, for all of the ways that in the name and spirit of Jesus Christ, you extend yourselves to one another and to the world, for your extravagant generosity that uh, comes out in so many ways. And among those ways, you are gracious in sharing the time of your pastor, Amy, uh, with the conference. She is the chair of our conference uh, leadership council, and I am grateful that uh, you give her that time uh, to provide leadership beyond your local church. I'm grateful for the ways that uh, your giving extends to your giving in ministry shares to the Michigan Conference and to the wider United Methodist Church. So as I was thinking about what I might say tonight, uh, my, my first title was, God loves a cheerful giver, but we'll take your check even if you're grumpy. But I thought that might be a, you know, that seemed a, a little bit cheeky even for me. Um, but the reference is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I appreciate Eugene Peterson's rendering of those words in his paraphrase, The Message. He said, God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Now, if you've read the previous chapter, you know Paul masterfully frames such cheerfulness and delight. In speaking about generous giving in the previous chapter, Paul writes, I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. So in context, he's saying give cheerfully, give with delight, and this is a test. Thanks a lot, Paul. Well, let me shift gears. Uh, I'm going to share a story with you that may seem completely off topic. It's my job to bring it back around before uh, my time ends with you. 
1996, I was a pastor of a multi-church charge on Minnesota's Iron Range. One day as I was driving, and I did a fair amount of driving uh, in that particular pastoral position, I think that day I was returning home from, uh, for lunch from a morning meeting. I was listening to Minnesota Public Radio, the, the news station of Minnesota Public Radio, and over the noon hour that day, they were broadcasting a, a lecture. It was part of a global voices series at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis. The lecturer that day was the Irish poet Seamus Heaney. The previous year, Heaney had been awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature. Heaney's lecture that day that they were broadcasting was a, a combination of poetry reading and commentary. And frankly, I was enthralled. Heaney's beautiful language was shared in this wonderful, resonant Irish voice. If you have never heard him, uh, sometime just Google Seamus Heaney and listen to part of, his, part of a poem. Um, I don't care if you don't like poetry at all. The, the tone of his voice is wonderful to hear. He read his work splendidly. He commented on it insightfully and offered bits of humor along the way. I was so completely taken with what I was hearing that I was delighted when at the end of the hour they said, we are going to be rebroadcasting this program at 9 o'clock tonight. So there I was at 9 o'clock that evening, ready with my cassette tape. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, there used to be little boxes that had <laughs> tape. You could put them in and, and record things. So there I was, and I was, I was going to get as much of that lecture as I could on um, one half of a 90-minute tape. So in preparing for tonight, I listened to some of that lecture again. I, I brought my portable cassette player to the office, and I frightened some of my staff. <laughs> but in between the poems, Haney reflected on his life and on the nature of poetry. He spoke of what he called the unspeaking store of one's being, that original center, a place deep within that stores memories and impressions. And he said, poetry is like ripples coming out from that center. And he also said, poetry and life itself also needed to let the outside in. Ripples, Heaney said, are wonderful. They look like they are coming out from a center and equally trembling inwards to it. In his Nobel lecture called Crediting Poetry, Heaney again used that image of ripples, he described growing up in a rural part of Northern Ireland, a, a Catholic family in Northern Ireland, and then he talked about what it was like in his, in his uh, farm house where he grew up, and he said, we were as susceptible and impressionable as the drinking water that stood in a bucket in our scullery. Every time a passing train made the earth shake, the surface of that water used to ripple delicately, concentrically, and in utter silence. That image of water rippling out and seemingly rippling in. And then he again connected that with poetry. He says, I credit it ultimately because poetry can make an order as true to the impact of external reality and as sensitive to the inner lives of the poet's being as the ripples that rippled in and rippled out across the water in that scullery bucket 50 years ago. Ripples. It's a much better title, don't you think? <laughs> Ripples. Throw a small stone in a bucket or a puddle. 
and watch the ripples move in and out. I remember as a boy watching the ripples move in and out from the sides of the bathtub as I took a bath. Yeah, I know, cassette players, bathtubs. It's a wonder I could even walk up here tonight, right? <laughs> ripples. They're wonderful imagery for generosity. Toss a penny into a wishing well and watch the water ripple in and out. No harm in that. A small delight, though it accomplishes little beyond the joy of watching the water ripple or the joy of identifying a, a wish that we know will not come true or if it does come true, it really had nothing to do with the fact that you threw a penny into the wishing well. When we give our resources generously to do good, to send ripples of goodness and kindness and love, those ripples have an impact. Our resources ripple out to touch others. They ripple out to touch the world. Ripples of generosity, of goodness, of kindness and love, touching lives, touching the world. John Wesley, to whom we, United Methodists, trace our stream in the Christian faith, published in 1760 a sermon called The Use of Money. And in that sermon, Wesley proposed three uh, helpful Christian uses of money. Gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Wesley viewed money as a resource that cr could create ripples of goodness. Let me just share a short part of that sermon with you. It, Wesley is speaking here of money, it is of unspeakable service to all civilized nations in all the common affairs of life. It is a most compendious instrument. He preached in words we don't use often these days. It is a most compendious instrument of transacting all manner of business, and if we use it according to Christian wisdom of doing all matter of good, in the hands of God's children, it is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, raiment for the naked. It gives to the traveler and stranger where to lay his head. By it, we may supply the place of a husband to the widow and of a father to the fatherless. We may be a defense for the oppressed, a means of health to the sick, of ease to them that are in pain, it may be eyes to the blind, as feet to the lame, yea, a lifter from the gates of death. Pretty powerful stuff. Our resources can make a difference. Books for children, blankets and coats for the freezing, education for those who need retraining, a car for someone who needs transportation to get to the job that feeds a family. As our resources given for good send good ripples out to make lives better, those lives in turn touch other lives. Our resources given for good can be used to share the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ with those who need to hear that love, who need that good news, who need hope. This church is able to be here, able to do its work because of your generosity I don't want to leave the choir up because of your generosity. You're able to do what you do because you are generous. 
And if we were to go around the room tonight, we could hear wonderful stories of how God's love and grace experienced through the ministry of this church has made a difference in people's lives. Generosity rippling out. Goodness, kindness, and love rippling out. I hope you tell those stories not just once a year, but often. Share them often. I'd also be remiss if I did not acknowledge that generosity that creates ripples of goodness, kindness, and love in the world is more than only a sharing of our financial resources. Now, that kind of giving matters. But generosity that sends ripples of goodness, kindness, and love out into the world in the name and spirit of Jesus Christ is also generosity of time and of talent and of spirit. As important as the new book that may be bought for a child is the time someone takes to read that book to her. As important as a warm meal to the hungry person may be the time someone takes to sit and share that meal with them. As important as the new coat may be to someone who needs it may be the words that tell that person they look beautiful in that coat. And how much our world today needs people with more generous spirits. Generosity of spirit is a willingness to listen generously to someone. It's trying to understand their point of view even when you may disagree strongly with them. It is giving people a, a measure of the benefit of the doubt when they have made a mistake. Not going quickly to impute the worst motives to them, but trying to understand their intent even if they executed that intent badly. To have a generous spirit is to be careful when we criticize and lavish when we praise. I think the world hungers today for people and communities that have a generous spirit. And I think the church is called to be that kind of place, a place of generosity of spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. When we give generously, give of our resources for good, give of our time, give of our talent, offer generosity of spirit, goodness ripples out, touching lives, making a difference. And for every life touched, for every difference made, further goodness ripples out. Do you ever try to create a small tidal wave in a bathtub, multiplying the ripples? Our goodness can do that. But the wondrous thing about ripples is that they move out from a center and then they tremble back inward. We are transformed. We are changed when we offer generosity. Our giving changes us. Now, it may not do so in the way that Ebenezer Scrooge is transformed in Dickens' A Christmas Carol, but our giving changes us. There's musical testimony to that. Fifty years ago, a, a band called The Beatles released their very last album, and the last major track on the album has these simple lyrics, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And 30 years later, in 1999, a one-hit wonder group called the New Radicals made their one hit a song called You Only Get What You Give. Now, it's not as exact as that. It's not a mathematical equation, but it is a soul equation. 
when we give generously, when ripples of goodness and kindness and love flow from us, something of goodness and kindness and love ripples back toward us. And I think you know that experience. You watch on television as some disaster is struck in a place far away, and coming off a truck or a plane is a big crate, and on the side of it it's marked UMCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief. You know you've done some good, and you want to do more. Ripples out and ripples in. Or maybe you're at annual conference, and one of those being ordained was once a confirmation student in your church. Maybe you've kind of lost track of them. Maybe you don't know them well anymore, but you sense that connection. Your church helps support that person on the journey, and you help support your church. You know you've done good, and you want to do more. Ripples out and ripples in. The student you mentored in elementary school, the school for which your church bought backpacks so families could have food on the weekends, that student is being interviewed on TV, having received a prestigious college scholarship. You know you've done good and you want to do more, ripples out and ripples in. Maybe not all our stories are quite so dramatic, but you know what it's like to be generous to send those ripples of goodness and kindness and love out into the world and have some, some of them ripple back into your own hearts and into your own souls. And I know you could tell me stories about how this church has been a place where you have experienced that. And I hope you'll find time to tell, tell those stories to each other too. So as I'm preparing to wrap up, let me say a word about the church as a place for generosity. We all know that the church is imperfect. We're aware that the church is struggling in many ways right now. We understand that the church does not hold the same place in our society that it once did. Yet the church remains, I think, a remarkable place for generosity, a place deserving of our generosity because we are still capable of, uniquely capable of all kinds of good things. And it is a place where we know we will be shaped by ripples of generosity flowing back toward us. The church remains one of the few multi-generational institutions in our society. At our best, the church opens its doors to a remarkable diversity of people. The church reminds us that we are loved wildly by God and uniquely created to show and share God's love with the world. So back a little while ago, and thanks, I haven't had to see too many of you elbow each other. I appreciate, appreciate it. We're getting there. We're getting there. Early on, I referred to the Irish poet Seamus Heaney. And as I conclude, I'd like to share one of his poems I don't try to imitate his Irish accent, uh, for which you can be grateful. But it's a poem called St. Kevin and the Blackbird. And then there was St. Kevin and the Blackbird. The saint is kneeling, arms stretched out inside his cell. But the cell is narrow, so one turned-up palm is out the window, stiff as a crossbeam, when a blackbird lands and lays in it and settles down to nest. Kevin feels the warm eggs, the small breast, the tucked neat head and claws, and finding himself linked into the network of eternal life is moved 
to pity. Now he must hold his hand like a branch out in the sun and rain for weeks until the young are hatched and fledged and flown. And since the whole thing's imagined anyhow, imagine being Kevin. Which is he? Self-forgetful or in agony all the time from the neck on out down through his hurting forearms? Are his fingers sleeping? Does he still feel his knees? Or has the shut-eyed blank of under-earth crept up through him? Is there distance in his head, alone and mirrored clear in love's deep river, to labor and not to seek reward, he prays, a prayer his body makes entirely, for he has forgotten self, forgotten bird, and on the riverbank forgotten the river's name. Each of us, each of us is given the opportunity to nurture life by our generosity, by sending ripples of goodness and kindness and love, touching, tending, nurturing. And when we do, we are blessed. Love's deep river seems to flow nearby. We are linked into the network of eternal life. Yes, sometimes generosity can be a bit uncomfortable, a bit like Kevin's arm stiff out the side of his cell, his monk's cell. Yet we know that goodness, kindness, and love that ripple out from our generosity, nurturing life, those ripples come back to change us. And if God loves a cheerful giver, it is because God is genuinely delighted when we experience the delights of generosity, goodness, kindness, love, rippling out and rippling in. It changes us, and it delights God. Let the ripples continue to flow. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able. We are thankful for the year that we have had, and we anticipate a year to come. Let us one more time give our thanks. Your grace will never be forgot, your mercy all my life will be my source.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you have been enriched by the word proclaimed. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at ministry at orchardumc.org. You can find out more about Orchard by going to our website at www.orchardumc.org.